I think if anything else, you know, just how wonderful the the association has been. I mean, that with without that roadmap ahead of us, we'd be lost. I don't, and I don't think in other areas of disease or illnesses you have that support. It just, you know, it's like you got this diagnosis and you got a handbag with you, and and it, you know, it tells you what to do. And we, I don't know what I'd do without, you know, every single one of those folks. So. I think that's important to, you know, know that I think people are where they are and because of them, so. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Connecting ALS. I am one of your hosts, Mike Stevenson, joined by my colleague and co-host, Jeremy Holden. Hello to you, Jeremy. Hey, Mike. Uh, good to be here with you this week. Looking forward to a great episode. Yeah, me too. And and we'll touch on this a little more at the end of the show, but I am a little sad to report that this is going to be my final episode as your co-host on this podcast. But we will get into that a little more at the back end of the show because we have a really great guest lined up for this week. Sue Seabrook from New Jersey was willing to come on and during ALS Awareness Month share the story of her mother's diagnosis of ALS and kind of how their family is finding ways to live in the moment during this time. Yeah, Mike, we reached out to Sue to see if she would share her story uh, on the association's uh, blog, and we, we, we'll share that in the show notes, and really just kind of embrace the concept of, of the moments that matter, of uh, the theme that the association is using to talk about, to raise awareness throughout the month of May, and just talked about some of those seemingly small everyday moments that matter to her and how they've changed and the impact that uh, her mother's diagnosis with ALS has had on moments big and small that all come together to to make up life. It was an extremely well-written and thoughtful piece that she produced for the blog. We will link to that, as we'd said, and we encourage you to give that a read because it's, it's so well done. But Sue had some really nice things to say. Let's listen back to our interview with her now. We're on the phone today with Sue Seabrook of New Jersey, who is, among many things, an ALS caregiver who has chosen to share her family's story during ALS Awareness Month, a story that was featured in a recent ALS Association blog post, which we will share in our show notes. But Susan, thanks for joining us on Connecting ALS. Thanks for having me. Uh, and thank you for sharing that story uh, with the world to help raise awareness uh, for this disease, uh, particularly important during May, which is ALS Awareness Month. Uh, it was your mother uh, who has been diagnosed with ALS. And as you thoughtfully explained uh, in the blog piece you wrote, it's something that has understandably deeply impacted your whole family. Yes, that's right. Yep. And can you talk a little bit about after receiving the news and your mother's diagnosis, just kind of how you as a family reacted to that and the sort of plans that you made out of out of the gate? Sure. Um, I think we are just, um, we're fixers by nature. And, you know, we want to fix people and fix things. And, and we're, we're a very strong, close-knit family. And so we were all together at that first appointment. We actually had a friend that got us in rather quickly. Um, these appointments and diagnoses can take a long time. And, um, my husband's best friend's a neurologist, so they drove down here to where I live in New Jersey, and then we shot up to Pennsylvania uh, to UPenn, and my sister took off work, and it was all happened in a period of 24 hours. She went for a checkup for, you know, normal checkup, and her foot was dropping a little, and mm. then all the pieces kind of came together, and we were at UPenn two days later, you know, with this diagnosis, and so 
there were lots of questions and, you know, it, it hit us blindsided. We didn't have months and months of testing. So we just, we just researched, we called friends, we called doctors, we knew, you know, what can we do? How can we, you know, what medicine can we try? What trial can we get in? And it was just kind of a, we felt behind the eight ball already, you know, we had to, we had to catch up. So we just panicked, I guess, reacted. And then, you know, we, we, I remember, I think, I don't really remember that much about that time. It's kind of a blur of doctor's mm-hmm. appointments and, you know, and whatnot. And it was right before COVID hit. So we had a family meeting. It was like two weeks prior and my cousins and aunts and uncles, and we all came together. And um, we, my mom said, I can't tell this news twice. I can't tell it three times. You know, I'm going to tell it once. So we all sat in my parents' family room and she told everyone that, or I told everyone the news and, you know, we just, we cried and, and we just vowed from that moment on that we were going to face this thing together. And, you know, everything that came our way, we've, we've done together. So yeah, and and Sue, one of the things you you talk about how everybody in the family is impacted, and and that comes through as you're kind of going back through those those early days after the diagnosis, and also just so many aspects of life can be impacted by the diagnosis, uh, but through the journey with ALS, the association, of course, focusing this month on those moments that matter in life, and and one of the ones that really struck me in your piece was 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 those moments, the moment in the car. So talk to us a little bit about how that. how school drop-off changed a little bit for you. Yeah. So, um, you know, whenever I'm in the car, I call my mom. It's kind of my thing. And, you know, I feel like you arrive at the place before you even know you left because you're just chatting, chatting, chatting. And that's always been my thing. I drop off my littlest and then I call my mom and I'm home before I know it. And now I I don't call or I try not to because her voice is going and um, she has to save it. So, I try to send her a text in the morning, you know, and just say, hey, the kids slept great last night. Hope you did too. And, and go from there. And that's kind of how things have changed as far as that goes. So I feel like car rides for me are the toughest because I think about her, you know, so I don't call her. And that absence, I think, is is definitely, you know, what I feel the most. Yeah, those adjustments can be so challenging to make, particularly at first as you are experiencing those incremental losses. And in your story, you you went on to detail about processing the loss of your mother's voice and how difficult that is. And we often hear from individuals living with ALS that it takes time to grieve each physical loss that occurs as their disease progresses. But I mentioned that because you concluded those particular remarks talking about uh, filming uh, sillier moments with your daughter and her grandmother and the times that you spend sitting quietly uh, with your mom and a cup of coffee in the morning. How important has it been since your mom's diagnosis, Sue, to kind of seek out those those moments, those lighter moments, and embrace them as they happen? Uh, really, really important. I think um, the toughest part is is, you know, hiding those emotions from my kids while still capturing them. So, you know, my oldest daughter is 12 and she's at that tween stage and she doesn't want to be bothered by me or anyone really for that matter. And, but I want her to spend time with her grandmother and I, but I can't tell her why. So, mm. you know, they play rummy together. That's kind of their thing. They play cards. And so, you know, I'll take pictures or I'll be videoing a game and she'll look at me like, mom, why, you know, why are you videoing us? Or they all do that. And sure. so, yeah, I think that I'm just trying to like, you know, or my mom will FaceTime the kids because she lives in New York and I live in New Jersey. So when she's not here, she wants to see them. But if they're playing a game or, you know, they're watching a TV show, they really, I don't want to say they don't want to be bothered, but it's its harder to, you know, get them off those things. And 
I know that every moment matters. So, you know, whether it's that 15 minute FaceTime or just telling her about school that day to them, it's a Tuesday, but to her, you know, is this my last Tuesday? So mm. I feel like, you know, those, those things are a little, little harder to manage right now. Sure, um, sure. you know, yeah. Now another moment that I believe you all just recently celebrated, you did a vow renewal for your parents. We did. We did. Can yeah. you talk a little bit about that, about how that came to pass and, and how that went and, and, and the, the kind of the meaning behind that? So my mom was diagnosed in February of last year and at her appointment, you know, we're all processing ALS. What does this mean? And, and she says to the doctor, um, I just want to live to my 50th wedding anniversary. And that has always, always been a thing of hers. And I think in a world where, you know, one in two marriages and divorced, you know, just having what they have is, is an accomplishment. But my parents were high school sweethearts. They married young and they do everything together. They go to the grocery store together. They, sure. you know, everything. It's, it's, it's unheard of, I think, these days. So my parents were married 49 years um, on May 6th that just passed. And wow. my sister and I, yeah. Wow. Right. Um, we were thinking, okay, next year is 50. And, and, you know, in the last couple months, a lot has been declining her voice, you know, she doesn't move. And we thought, you know, the rule is we celebrate everything right now and we celebrate, you know, report cars, we celebrate anything. And so we thought let's, let's do this now. So we reached out to um, their local parish and uh, talked to the priest. And my mom hasn't stepped foot inside a church since COVID. So in and of itself, we knew she'd be excited for that. She's, you know, a, a woman very into her faith. And um, so we called the priest and they were able to open up the, there's a smaller church behind the church they go to. It's like a little chapel and that's actually where they got married. So mm. he was able to open that up and they, we did a ceremony. We hired a photographer and my mom's three bridesmaids are, are still living. So they all came, some folks drove, you know, six hours round trip. We did it on a Thursday too. So a Thursday, you know, is sure. a little tough to get everyone at noon to get everyone together. So everyone came, we did a little vow renewal and all, she has five grandchildren and they were all involved. They did the readings and held the rings and everyone got little bouquets, even the little kids and boutonnieres. So she was surprised. So this was all you know, unbeknownst to her, she showed up and we ordered a shirt, had it delivered to her house, said, you're wearing this. And um, my sister did her makeup that morning. And so she showed up, she thought she knew it was something that we were getting together. And it was her anniversary was actually on her anniversary. So, mm. but when she came in and saw, you know, 25 of her closest friends and family in there, she was just very overwhelmed. And then we had a little party afterwards at a golf course and it was perfect. It was just, oh. it was beautiful. What yep. a lovely moment and a way to celebrate uh, your mother and their romance. 49 years is incredible. <laughs> that is incredible. Yeah. That is a milestone. And we kind of we kind of switched it into like we didn't want her to be sad about this because, sure. you know, there's a reason we're doing it at 49, not 50. But we my aunt had like a great way of you know summarizing it. She said, well, as of tomorrow, they're entering their 50th year. So we kind of like turned it all around and that was it. That's true. Yeah. That's a great point. And yeah, that's wow, amazing. Thank you for sharing that story as well. You talked, Sue, about the hope for treatments and breakthroughs that could make a real difference for your mom and thousands of others currently living with ALS. How closely uh, do you and your family kind of follow the news that comes out of the scientific community about ongoing ALS research? And do those developments in that news give you hope for the future? I probably followed the most. I think once my mom was diagnosed, she Googled 
ALS and then, you know, shut the computer off and hasn't really to this day, but my sister and I do. Yeah. We follow the news and it's exciting. And and I think it's overwhelming, but you know, we see an article and, and tons of folks send us things like friends and family, you know, we'll get flooded with something we read that morning. And sure. I think it's, it's so exciting. And this is probably going to sound terrible, but I wish, you know, I wish I was here five years from now, because I really think that, you know, the ice bucket challenge and, and all these wonderful things that have brought attention to this disease are, are going to help. And they're going to, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to let people live more quality of lives. And I'm excited for that. And, you know, I'm excited for those people. I'm excited for people that will benefit from that. And I'm, I'm still hopeful that, you know, that we'll get something out of it. So I think that's something you just, you can't give up hope. And, you know, these things are, they're exciting. No matter what breakthrough it is, small or big, it's, it's exciting. That's a nice message. Yeah, that's great. You know, and Sue, it, it occurs to me, we're having this conversation during ALS Awareness Month, and it is an opportunity to kind of break through to, you know, folks who maybe go about their days and, and don't think about ALS, you know, on a day-to-day basis. So maybe they they don't see the impact that it hasn't had an impact on their lives. So folks who are tuning in because it's ALS Awareness Month and are, are maybe hearing about this for, for the first time, maybe since the Ice Bucket Challenge, what, what, what do you want them to know about ALS? I think I just want them to know that, you know, it's still here and there's still, there's still a lot of people affected by it and it doesn't just affect one person, you know, it affects so many people. And I think, you know, people die every day and people get sick every day, but this is a beast and there's no, there's no nice way to put it. Uh, You know, as I wrote, I have a 12 year old and I can't explain it to her. I can't, you know, I don't want her to Google it. And I, I really can't explain it. I can't explain it to my 12-year-old, let alone my 10-year-old. So mm. it's just, it's a lot. And and those that are fighting this and have fought it, my, my hat off to you because there's nothing like it. And and those that, you know, it's it's a little bit, and I, I don't want to get worked up, but it's, it's like mourning someone who's still here. And, you know, and the there's really, there's not that much light at the end of the tunnel right now. And I wish, you know, I hope there's more light soon. And I think that that's what I'd like them to know. And I'd like the people that, you know, the wonderful man that passed away that started drawing a blank on his name right now that started the ice bucket challenge. Like what a hero. I mean, to see what he's done for this community and, and how much funds, you know, have come out of that and and what now, you know, is trickling down the road because of it is just amazing. And it just, I think that the more awareness, the, the more to come like that, which is, you know, is great. You're referencing Pete Frades and, and Pat Quinn, uh, both Thank you, yes. lost to ALS, and and you're right, they they were such instrumental figures, and and since then, having people like you, Sue, and your family, share their story and relate to those stories and open the world's eyes about how ALS impacts families, has really really made a huge difference, and that's what is compelling people to get involved and to make a difference and and help us create a world without ALS. That's what we're all striving for. And, and right now it's for treatments that are going to slow the progression down and, and give people a higher quality of life. And because you are helping to open those eyes, we, we can't thank you enough for, for being willing to share. You know, Sue, we're having this conversation here in May and, you know, obviously Memorial Day right around the corner, which means summer's coming. You know, vaccines are rolling out, quarantines are rolling back. Are you guys looking ahead to any future travel plans to to go and visit your mom? We are. So my mom and dad, one of their favorite vacation spots is uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You know, they've been going for years and we went last year and it was, it was during a scary time. So we literally drove down and stayed in a house and didn't leave. So I'm looking forward to going there again. We rented a house for the middle of the summer and just kind of, you know, exploring a little more, not being afraid to go on the beach. You know, we rented the 
handicap wheelchair, the bed, the Hoyer left, like everything is being delivered there. So we're excited. We're, we're excited for that. And just trips to, I live down near the Jersey shore and my mom likes coming down there. So we're trying to get ramps in place to get her down by the pool area and, and things like that. So yeah, we're excited for the summer and we're hoping that, you know, she has, she has a good time. Nice. Ooh, some sure. good moments ahead. It looks like you're planning on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be a for memorable sure. summer. Well, thank you again so much, Sue, for sharing uh, your story and your mom's story. And uh, we wish you nothing but the best this summer as you get together and try to make some more memories. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It means a lot. Well, Mike, uh, such a great conversation we were able to have. uh, So many that we've been able to participate in over the uh, past year plus that we've been doing the show week to week. And just another really powerful and inspiring conversation that we were able to have. Yeah, it was great to to meet Sue and hear her story. And as we mentioned to her, you know, sharing stories like hers and her mom's, that's how we compel people to get involved and how we open the world's eyes to ALS and show them how it impacts families and encourage them to help us create a world without ALS. Couldn't agree more, Mike. Those personal stories are so powerful and so important to bring new people into the fight. And now, uh, you know, we bid you adieu. You you mentioned uh, sad news at the top of the hour, and uh, I just have to say it's been an honor and a privilege sharing this format with you, sharing this podcast, this platform with you, going back to uh, last March, and you know, really hopeful that I can uh, carry it forward and that that the association can carry it forward and, and do honor to the concept that you brought forward. And just again, it's been an honor and a privilege working with you, and I look forward to seeing what you do next and and, and being in touch. Thank you, Jeremy. Very, very kind of you to say. Uh, it, and I echo those remarks. It's been so wonderful to be in this podcast space with you as a co-host and uh, working with Garrett, our amazing producer, as well as Morgan and Rachel on our team uh, to make this show happen. And it's, it's really meant a lot to me. And I know that the podcast will continue and that you're going to find some really fantastic new voices to be part of the show so i look forward to listening to that and i won't be going far i'm I'm moving on to a new opportunity outside the association but i'm going to stay as close as i can to the cause because it does mean a lot to me and and i want to make sure that i'm still a part of this fight well we look forward to having you continue in the fight going forward Thank you. And on that note, you can still continue to find Connecting ALS at ConnectingALS.org or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We appreciate hearing from you in the social spaces as well. This episode is produced by Garrett Tiedemann of the ALS Association's Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota chapter. Thank you all for listening. We will connect with you again soon.